all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for joining us on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC and surgical pathologist, Dr. Allie Brown. We are talking about your sleep today. So wake up, wake up and hear about how to go to sleep. Our special guest is Dr. Andrea Lewis. She's a specialist in sleep medicine. So grab your pillow, grab your blanket, grab your phone. And get ready to call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. And I'll use my very sleepy suit. Oh, don't do that. Voice. I'm falling asleep already, Karen. <laughs> yeah, the quiet storm is starting. Good morning, quiet everybody. Storm. Good morning. Hey. Rise and shine. Wakey wakey. Uh, did you mention it's National Sleep Awareness Week? I did not mention that, so yes, you go ahead and mention it. I think you just did. It's National Sleep Awareness Week. Thank you. So we got our good friend Dr. Andrea Lewis in to talk about this from the Department of, can you say it, Karen? <laughs> Otolaryngology. 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 <laughs> the ENT Yay! department at UMC. Right. Fabulous. We're so all excited. Before we begin talking about sleep, Dr. Lewis, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so um, so I'm Andrea Lewis, and I uh, did a a residency in uh, otolaryngology, and then I subsequently did a fellowship in sleep medicine. And so I treat a wide range of uh, patients with um, different uh, ENT disorders as well as sleep disorders. And on a more personal note, I have uh, multiple small children, so I do know personally know the importance of sleep. And also what sleep deprivation can do. That's right, yes. And you're from Houston, Mississippi. I always like that because when I drive through, I think, oh, I know someone who's from Houston, Mississippi. Sometimes when I'm out that way. I just want to throw in because we've all had children. We all have children. And when you have children and you're sleep deprived, somehow you manage to still do it. So my well, first, que- my first question <laughs> yeah. is though: Does your body adapt when you're a mother, or or are you if you're sleep deprived, it's really really bad? No, it's still bad. I mean, that's you know one of the big links to uh, you know postpartum depression has been the sleep deprivation. Oh, so just stress in general. You have trouble sleeping, and it kind of just makes everything worse. Right, it's like a cyclical thing. Like you have it trouble is. sleeping because you're stressed and then you get more stressed because you haven't been sleeping and yeah. that's very right yeah your sleep needs don't change but it does change your hormonal profile mm. as far as increased stress hormones which aren't yeah like she said aren't good for sleep and uh, aren't aren't good for you either yeah like we talked it's I can't remember who I was speaking with about this very same thing but we I think 
it might have been when we were talking about depression mm-hmm. and the statement was made and then our cortisol wakes us up at, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning. Right, yeah. And so people who, you know, have lots of stress or who might have depression and have some hormonal alterations that go along with that will oftentimes find themselves waking up in the middle of the night or unable to get a good night's sleep or sleep completely through the, through the night. So there are some people who have difficulty falling asleep, some people who have difficulty staying asleep. Um, and sometimes if you have a lot of that circulating stress hormone, it can contribute to, you know, wakefulness during the middle of the night or they'll wake you up. And a lot, I think a lot of people know the, the feeling of waking up and it's, the, it's like 2 a.m., and your mind's constantly running. You have all these different And everything things. seems worse and in yes. the middle of the night. Yeah. Exactly. Everything. Correct. And you yeah. know you have to go back to sleep, so you start stressing about falling asleep, and then you can't. Yeah. And then you're wondering, have <laughs> yeah. I been sleeping, or was I awake? Am yeah. I dreaming that I'm not yes. sleeping? Yeah, it's all these weird thoughts in the middle of the night. Yes. Yeah. Or, or when you finally do wake up and you're exhausted, you're like, have I only been asleep for 10 minutes? <laughs> Did I fall asleep two hours ago? You can't really tell. What if you have trouble waking up? Is that a sleep disorder or can it be associated? <laughs> well, it's Lewis? definitely associated with a lot of other sleep disorders. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you have, you know, sleep apnea or other symptoms during the night um, so that you're not getting a good night's sleep, it can definitely lead to you having trouble waking up in the morning. Or What's, just if you're going to sleep late because you yeah, watch TV not getting enough or something. Sleep. That's yeah. right. What is the number one sleep disorder? It's insomnia. Well, uh, you know, I would say that uh, probably before that is uh, insufficient sleep. And then next would be insomnia, just not being able to sleep. And is that usually stress-related or can it be physically it, it, related? Most commonly stress-related, but it's really multifactorial. There's a lot of different reasons that people have. And you also, it depends on if you're talking difficulty going to sleep or difficulty staying asleep can also be associated. More commonly, difficulty staying asleep is associated with other sleep disorders and difficulty falling asleep is more commonly associated with stress and changes in life. But stress will also wake you up during the night, too. And then, yeah, everything's worse when you yeah. wake uh, up. Yeah, yes. Like really worse. worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's it's, true. <laughs> it's like a panic. And, yeah. I, and every time it gets me, it's like I forget all the times before when I think, oh, it, it really wasn't nearly as bad once I get up. Yes. I wake up. Everything's horrible. It's like, oh, my God, this is it. This, yes, <laughs> this yes. is the end. It can't Wait, get any yeah. worse than this. Yeah, see, the, but the classic, that's a classic worrier. That's, <laughs> yeah, that I am. Is, yeah. <laughs> now, I do recommend frequently to people that like earlier in the evenings, they set aside a worry time where you can like oh, let your th- like think about all this? those bad I like things. that. For the schedule. Get it out. <laughs> there you go. So that when you wake up during the night or you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep, you don't you don't have to let your mind think about those things. Hold you my your, worry you stone. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Worry time. So for some of us type A personalities, I think like every second of the day and night is probably a worry time. But um, but uh, it, it is a good way to help help consolidate your sleep. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, you could like journal or something like that. Yeah, make your to-do list, too. Yeah. So that's the other thing that we do. I think particularly probably as females is we wake up and we think of all the things that we have to do or we're trying to go to sleep and we're trying to remember what we've got to do tomorrow is actually have a time in the evening to write that down so that uh, we don't have to think about it. It's on our to-do list and not, not on our minds cycling and keeping us awake. I, I, keep, a note, I keep a notebook on the yeah. nightstand next to my bed so that in the event that... Um, I wake up in the middle of the night preoccupied with something, some issue or something to do that what I found is that writing it down at that moment actually allows me to kind of 
refocus on being able to to sleep because you know sometimes it's oh my gosh how am I going to fix this what am I going to do blah blah blah. and so because things are worse in the middle of the night um, it has been really helpful for me to just have something that's there that's readily accessible so that if something pops in my head and it's like oh my gosh I can't believe I forgot that I can write it down and sit it next to the bed and then I don't have to deal with it until I wake up in the morning Um, and if there are other things that I've that I'm reminded of at that moment at like two o'clock, which seems to be Mm -hmm. my bewitching hour to wake up my 2 a.m. time. um, I can write it down and sit it there and then go back to it when I wake up in the morning. And then I found that it allows me not to perseverate over those things. Like I don't agonize over them in that moment. It allows me to deal with it or, or sit it down so that it's not forgotten. No, that's a perfect And it idea. comes right off. I mean, it's off kind of a funny thing because there were four women that obviously have a hard time <laughs> sleeping. Yeah, yeah, all like, yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. But what, when does a Claire. patient come see a sleep specialist? Like if I'm having trouble sleeping, when does it become less like just something quirky thing and something that I really should go see someone about. Right. Yeah, because everybody does have some trouble sometime. And, and clearly, we're, we're probably on the worst end of that spectrum. But um, when it's affecting your daytime functioning, when you don't feel good during the day, you can't think clearly during the day, and you're not your normal self um, on a daily basis. For And usually you consider around a month you know, time to be a good time to think that it's time to, you know, to sit and going away on its own that I, you know, could use some help. So do you go to like your general practitioner and, and ask them for a referral or uh, what, how do people usually get in to see a sleep specialist? Yeah, I think you're general... not Dr. Z, the mattress doctor. Yeah. Right. The, the good mattresses are good. Right. But, and your um, ZIPA doesn't work. Pills. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's right. <laughs> um, I think that general practitioners are a good place to start and they'll, you know, frequently refer you on. But it can be a good place to start because a lot of time it is temporary, especially if you've had a big life change or a big life stressor. And so... Sometimes in those instances, a short-term medication may help you get through that. Um, But other times, you know, they will refer you on, I think, if they can't, um, you know, can't treat you in a short period of time or within a few months. When would you do a sleep study? Read my mind. I was just about to ask that question. (laughs) We hear so much about it. What is it and when do you do it? Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, usually, so the trouble falling asleep is not a reason to do a, a sleep study. But if you are waking up frequently during the night, so just since we are on the subject of not being able to sleep, mm-hmm. waking up frequently during the night is, is is frequently a sign of something else going on um, in your sleep that we can't, you know, diagnose without a sleep study. Um, other reasons to get a sleep study would be, um, you know, if you're really tired during the day, but that you think that you're sleeping well. Um, if you're snoring really loudly, you know, every night. Um, so I know we talked a little bit about restless leg, feeling like you need to move your legs in the evening. And that's not actually an indication to get a sleep study. But if you feel like you're moving your legs a lot during the night would be a reason. So restless leg can keep you up. It can keep you up. Or it's not a, sleeping well. And it's not diagnosed by a sleep study. But there is periodic mm-hmm. limb movement disorder where you actually move them during the night. And that can require a sleep study if that's causing some of those awakenings we talked about. But what is the relationship between sleeping and restless leg? Your leg suddenly jumping around. Yeah. So, you know, in restless legs, actually, when you feel the need to move your legs, they're bothering you and moving them gives you some relief. And and the relationship can be with sleep is actually keeping you from going to sleep at night. And usually more than three nights a week, if it's keeping you from going to sleep, you, you know, may think about getting that treated. Um, another indication from a sleep study would be what we call REM behavior sleep disorder, and that's where you actually act out your dreams. So it's very oh, different uh, from nightmares. It's this where you, happens? 
this does happen and not uncommon. Oh, this is where you oh, eat. Oh, is this where you where like you eat? Not stuff? the eating. Oh, okay. Honestly, like when you. Different. This doesn't have anything to do about when you dream about having to go to the bathroom. No. Okay, just checking. <laughs> no. Just wondering. Yeah. No. Or, or you're strangling the person lying next to you. So, <laughs> it is when you dream like you're strangling the person oh. lying next to you, but you're actually strangling the oh person lying yeah. next to you. And you you remember it's very vivid, and so you wake up remembering. So it's different from like night, you know, Tara's or. Um, like you mentioned, some of the stress dreams we talked about or the getting up and eating. It's very different from that. It's You actually remember these people do, and that's a reason for us. But with ambient, ambient, you don't remember those things. With ambient, you don't remember, so it has like an amnesia. Oh, that's the effect. people sleep eating. I drove downtown yeah, and did my grocery yeah. shopping. Right. That's a side right. effect of the medication. Yeah. I got right. up and cooked dinner in the middle of the night. and <laughs> yeah. I, Was it yeah. good? Right, yeah. we, we need to take our first break of the hour. We've opened up all kinds of topics, so yeah. if you want to call with a comment or question, please do it. one 877 mpb ring 1-877-672-7464 or send an email to women at mpbonline.org and we'll be back in just a few minutes on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. We're back on Southern Remedy for Women talking about sleep today. Sleep is such a wide category. And we're speaking with Dr. Andrea Lewis with the Otolaryngology Department. Look at you, fancy. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. A a sleep, not a sheep, a sleep specialist. Well, that sheep can help you sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Count sheep. So we were were talking about um, things that you do that you're dreaming about that you're actually doing in your sleep. And then we sort of got off on Ambien, too. Yeah. So so what we were talking about was the sleep disorder where you actually act out your dreams. So you remember those. But when you're taking Ambien, like we were talking about, you do things. You can. It's uncommon, yeah. right? It's unco- it is yeah. actually very uncommon. It is what people worry about when taking Ambien. But it got a lot people, of press. It, it really did. did. It did. It actually is kind of fascinating when you think about it. We're going to go to the phones, and we have uh, someone who we're not sure the name, so just go right ahead. Uh, yes, I'd like to ask the doctor um, a few questions, uh, and then I'll hang up and she can answer them. Uh, everybody's always concerned about young people who have children and are awake at night, but that's for a short amount of time, and you're a young person. We have a person in the family who is over 100, and we're in our 70s. There's only two of us. And um, when um, the person, the older person, wakes up at night, she's still ambulatory and tries to get up and go to the bathroom by herself and doesn't and let us know. And she's often disoriented. 
Uh, I'd like for you to address it from the point of the person, the older person who has a problem with that and can't wake up sufficiently and is in a semi-conscious, semi state of reality and from the older people who have to care for her as well. If you could, and of course this is for an uh, indeterminate time, it's not always just a few months or a year, you know, it's a lot longer than that. What is there anything that can be done for the sleep deprivation? All right. Well, thank you very much for your question. You hang up and, we'll, and Dr. Lewis will address that. Thank you. Sure. That's a very interesting point because people like we did. We were talking about people, younger people stress, having trouble sleeping. But older people's sleep definitely changes to the point that they do wake up more frequently and do want more naps during the day. And so don't you don't get as much deep sleep at night as you get a little bit older. One of the interesting things though, is older people do a little better, actually, with sleep deprivation. Um, it is harder when you're talking about your, you know, over a hundred year old family member, though. If you think about, we were talking a little bit about medications earlier, not a lot, but it is harder to give medications because what you find is that they're even more confused when they wake up at night and even more likely to fall. And so, in, in her instance, as far as the waking up, the best thing you can do is take, you know, precautionary, you know, physical precautionary measures. Um, there are bed alarms, right, and things like that? Yeah, bed alarms, rails, you know, just different things like that. Removing anything that could cause a trip and a fall, any other, you know, objects that could cause problems. There's door alarms, you know, for people getting up at, at night, too. I know that's not helpful for the people who are trying to take care of her, but can definitely alternate, um, you know, time being the one to kind of respond. It would make sense, day. though, if you're limited, if you have limited mobility, when you wake up and you're tired, <clears throat> you can forget that. You yeah. go to get up forgetting that you don't move around so yeah, well. Yeah, that's definitely, that's very, that's very true. And that is, that is a difficult problem and a difficult one to treat. Because like I said, you can't really do medications. You do have to do more physical things, different alarms and things like that to be, um, to be helpful. Uh, you don't want to restrain them, but um, there are certain beds that do make it a little harder for them to try to get out of the bed and things like that too. And yeah. I think it's interesting you mentioned this isn't really related to sleep, but when you're talking about just creating a safe environment for um, elderly family members, um, one of the things that people I think sometimes think about, fail to remember, is how much of a hazard something as simple as a rug can be. Yeah. Um, and how that um, oftentimes can contribute to falls, um, especially in um, older patients um, and, you know, falls and hip fractures and those kinds of things are a big source of problems. So when you're thinking about, you know, we talk about child proofing homes, you also have to as people get older um, and sometimes with other various medical conditions have to be mindful about creating safe spaces that help to um, reduce the risk of falls and trauma and things like that for, you know, whether they're sleepwalkers or just people who are getting up and moving around in the home at night. Dr. Lewis, could you address various ages and sleep, you know, how many hours generally Mm -hmm. sleep you should get? Yeah, so that's a, that's interesting because when we talked about sleep deprivation, that's a big problem. I think people don't realize their sleep needs for different ages. So I'll, I'll make it simple and start with most adults. And we pretty much all need seven to eight hours. And that is regardless to age, though it can be broken up differently in older people who may wake up a little bit more and want to nap some. 
But starting as an infant, you know, half your time or over, you know, it's like 16 hours a day as a newborn is going to be in sleep. And as that you get, is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't <laughs> feel that way, right? The good old days. That is wonderful. Because <sighs> they haven't established their nights and days. And I remember somebody telling me that your child's going to sleep through the month, you know, through the night around three months old. And that really wasn't true. They still needed to get up. But they did start establishing that a night was different than daytime, even though they were still getting so up. So that's what night. it is. I didn't realize it's uh, because they haven't established what nighttime is. They have not established what They've nighttime is. They've been in the is. dark. It's always nighttime. Yeah. Turn out the light. Right. Yeah, and they may still need to get up and eat until six months. But, you know, during those years, 14 hours, those are, you know, normal things. And a lot of time up to nearly age, age two, they'll be taking um, up to two naps a day, especially as like a one-year-old. They'll take, they'll kind of divide that sleep, maybe a 12-hour period at night and two one-hour naps. It can be divided up a little differently, but definitely with a nap. Um, frequently with a nap up to age, you know, five uh, as far as, but it will be consolidated into a once-a-day nap, usually in the afternoon with a typically around a 12-hour sleep period. About an hour nap? Usually an hour to two hour nap with a typically a, um, 10 to 12 hour nap at night. Uh, uh, not now, but sleep period. That's, like, nap. that's a great nap. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be, would be a, a nice nap. A 12 hour nap. I probably could use that <laughs> <laughs> um, at night. Um, and then really up until age uh, 10 or so, you're looking at a 10 hour sleep period. And then even as we look as our preteens and teens, most of them n- still need more than eight hours. So you're still looking at at least nine hours in that uh, period of time. What happens, though, is your sleep kind of phase changes. So when you're small, your body's designed to go to bed early and get up early. Teenagers are designed to stay up late and, and get up sleep late. late. Right. Yeah, we try to get them to fight yes. it, but it's natural. That's but it what is natural. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so they're pretty much always tired, and they never get enough sleep. And they really still need more than, you know, eight hours of sleep. And so that's a... That's a huge, a huge problem. And I see kids all the time that are like anywhere from six to 12 that, you know, they come in because they're tired. Um, And then they'll say, I mean, they get eight hours of sleep a night. Well, that's not, you know, that's not their sleep needs. They need, you know, more like 10 hours a night. I remember a school district uh, near here recently had that discussion Uh start time and they switched it. So the younger kids started earlier and the teenagers, the high schoolers started later because they need more sleep. That's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, the other thing is that I guess the other message that I'm hearing is that so parents, if your teenager wants to sleep in on Saturday, um, that you yeah. don't necessarily have to, you know. They're not being lazy. Yeah, you don't have to scream at them and, you know, jump up and down and make them, you know, get up at 7, 7.30, um, that they actually might be able to use that time to, that could be their day that they actually do get an adequate day of rest, which would be Yeah, cool. and then the caller mentioned about being older. So there are different, don't people that are older wake up earlier? And they do like want to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. Yeah, that's typically true for older people. Though I will say that sometimes people do get in that habit of just staying up late and sleeping late, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of, kind of their bodies may adjust if they always do that, but typically that's right. Older people want to go to bed earlier and get up earlier. Once you yeah. reach adulthood, then all the way through old age, it's seven to eight hours a night? It is seven to eight hours. And like I said, that sleep requirement doesn't necessarily change. And I think one of the most interesting things, and you talk about that teenager sleeping in, that's their sleep schedule, but they also be making maybe making up a lot of sleep deprivation from their busy 
school week, but that's what adults, you know, do too often Mm -hmm. is sleep is very cumulative. And so they do need seven to eight hours a night. And you'll find that many adults are sleeping five or six a Mm -hmm. night. And, you know, if you get one night of six hours of sleep, you really need two nights of nine hours of sleep to make that up. You know, it's hard to to make that time up and and you'll find that most people are sleep deprived. So you can be sleep deprived all week and then sleep extra hours on the weekend and you will make up for the what you it lost. It helps. So you know, I was okay. going to say is there a such thing as make up sleep? <laughs> yeah, it awesome. helps. It's hard to ever make up that sleep. Even even with the extra weekend sleep, it's hard to ever ever completely make that up and it's hard to feel good during the week too. You're not right. going to make it up on the weekend and feel good all week when you're not Because you know enough. there are sleep experts who say don't Change your schedule. Right. Keep your sleep yeah. schedule the same. Well, I get up at three in the morning. Oh, gosh, so on the yeah. weekend, I sleep till yeah. eight o'clock, nine o'clock even, which is very late for me, obviously. Yeah, you're having makeup sleep. Yeah. And that's they okay. It's the best yeah, that's okay. But it is best to keep your it is best to keep your schedule, particularly if you're having trouble with insomnia. <laughs> like okay. like what we were talking about earlier, because you may what you'll find a lot of time for people who sleep late one day. So if you sleep late on Sunday, then Sunday night you have trouble going to bed, and then mm. it's hard getting up on Monday morning because you you know you kind of change your schedule. Yeah, I go through that, but sleeping in Saturday but it's really worth makes it. Still it worth it. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, I say it's worth it. No, I'm, I'm not arguing that point. So for can sure. you deposit it in advance? Like, can you build oh up? Uh, this is important. <laughs> can you build up the... some sleep? Well, like, can you accumulate a couple yeah. of extra hours because you know that a deficit's coming? I know that people use that. Oh, I'm going to try to go to bed early because I have yeah. to get up early in the morning. Yeah. So we we always do that, but it's I mean. It's hard to build it up, but in truth, if you know, like, you're going to be, you know, for, you know, we work in residency programs. If you know, like, you're going to be up uh, all night on call, then it is good to take a nap before you go in. You don't want to start out with a sleep debt when you know that you're going to not get enough sleep. It is good to get enough enough sleep going into that. And if you can take a nap before, it's good. But you can't really... You can't really deposit extra. You probably be able to sleep. I was like, I'm going to just start building up some. I just want to yeah. have some extra sleep hours hanging around In your there. Free time. We that need to take good. our second break of the hour. Please give us a call if you have a question or comment. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you'd prefer, send an email to women at mpbonline.org, and we'll be right back to talk about sleep. Oh. Oh, Yawning is so good. On MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens, Dr. Allie Brown, and our special guest, Dr. Andrea Lewis. We're talking about sleep, sleep disorders or sleep problems or because a problem isn't necessarily a disorder. And we invite your phone calls. We have a couple of calls that are 
almost ready to, we're almost ready to talk to folks. In fact, we are ready with John calling in from Covington, Louisiana. Hi, John. Hello. How are you? We're doing great. All right. Good. Uh, thanks for your show. You have a question, John, or a comment? Yes. I suffer from sleep apnea, a moderate case. I've been using the CPAP with the full face mask for about a year. And lately, just same, same, can't get consistent with it. I was wondering if my pillow might be the problem because I've been experimenting. I bought a special CPAP pillow with the cutouts. Yeah. And uh, it seemed too firm and gave me an earache. I had trouble with that one. And just wondered if the doctor had any feedback from her patients on uh, pillows, which might be a good type to try. Uh, I don't know whether you're allowed to mention brand names or not, but uh, just curious about that. Sure, that's no problem. Thanks for bringing up sleep apnea, by the way. We were just talking on the break about it. Dr. Lewis? Yeah, perfect timing. We were just having that conversation. Um, Frequently, you know, CPAP can be be difficulty uh, having trouble adjusting a different mask and wearing it. I don't know a specific brand pillow, but, you know, what I typically recommend is laying your your face on the edge of the pillow so that the CPAP is not hitting the pillow if you can do that. And then there are special cutout pillows like the one you, the one you, you know, the one that you bought. Um, often changing mask too, which I don't know if at this point you've been through several masks can be um, helpful. You know, what I find in treating sleep apnea is that everybody is so different in what they can tolerate and their needs and their facial shape and and those type things that it, it frequently just takes a lot of different tries to find what works best for you. But you can also try if you haven't yet, you know, laying on the edge of a, of a regular pillow. And John, you mentioned that, did you say that you, you were doing well for a, a period of time and all this, and you just recently started having more trouble? Yes, it just seemed like it toss and turn with it, trying to get comfortable with the mask and so forth. But uh... Have you had a new mask or you still have the same mask? I did recently replace it. Maybe that's the problem. It's the same style, but it's a brand new one. But uh, sometimes those things can make a difference, and sometimes the headgear gets stretched out. So you may think about, you know, if you replaced, you know, if you replaced it also. And sometimes your sleep apnea changes too. It sounds like you're tossing and turning more. Sometimes other things are setting that off, and not necessarily the. The mask, it could have worsened. Um, maybe you're having some leaks on the new mask. There are several different, you know, factors that can also play a role in that changing. Well, I appreciate that. I will keep experimenting. And uh, Best of luck to you, John. I we hope appreciate that's your helpful. phone call. Yeah. That was helpful. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. good Thanks luck, for calling, John. John. Before we, next, we get to the next phone call, can you explain what CPAP is, what that what that's doing for someone with sleep apnea? Yeah, so that's continuous positive airway pressure. And what happens when you have sleep apnea is that um, when you lay down at night, gravity's working against you as well as you already have a narrow airway and then your muscles relax. And so when you try to try to take a... A breath, your airway collapses, and so you're struggling to breathe, and that's what causes sleep disruption. So a CPAP actually blows air, not oxygen, that acts as an airway stent that keeps your airway open so that you can breathe normally when you sleep. And like John says, uh, or kind of mentioned, you know, having trouble with masks and different things like that, it actually uses a small mask and 
And there's multiple masks. Some just fit over the nose. Some just fit sort of inside the nose. Some cover the nose and the mouth um, that are used to actually blow that uh, air pressure to keep the airway from collapsing when you sleep. So folks with sleep apnea are kind of suffocating when they go to sleep. That's right. Which is very unhealthy. They're struggling to breathe all night. But they don't realize it, right? They don't. And it's interesting because women, you know, we talked about the insomnia. Women are more likely to come in and say, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm waking up. Men are more likely to come in and say, I sleep great. I'm just really tired during the day. And it is because they are struggling to breathe um, all night. And it's it's bad for you in a, in a lot of different ways. It makes your heart work harder. leads to heart arrhythmias, um, trouble functioning. So there are serious consequences to sleep apnea. There are. To not it can having shorten your life. Yeah, it can definitely shorten your life. Yeah, yeah. your 10-year your lifespan is greatly depre- decreased if you have untreated sleep apnea. And it can pr- increase cardiovascular disease even. Risk well, our, our producer, Jay White, wants to know about those things, those strips you put on your nose that are yeah. supposed to hold your nostrils oh, yeah. open yeah. a little more. Breathe Do those right strips. So they don't really treat sleep apnea per se. Darn. <laughs> but they do help you breathe better through your nose. If you have on a cold napping. or something. Well, if you have a cold or you have a narrow, what we call nasal valves, they can help that. And so it might help snoring a little for some people. And if you breathe better through your nose, your sleep quality is typically better, but it's not going to really help your sleep apnea. Which is the throat is kind of the problem with sleep apnea, right? Right. (laughs) Going back to the phone, Summer's calling in from Mobile. Hi, Summer. Hi. Um, So I was wanting to comment, like I'm 24 and I still need like nine or 10 hours of sleep a night. And Amen, I'm Summer. I'm like almost yeah. always tired during the day. Summer, you're my spirit animal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I was wondering, could it be like, I dream a lot. Like, I dream all night, almost every night. So, I feel like that's really tiring. Are you um, having nightmares or just regular dreams? Usually just regular dreams. Are they very vivid? Yes. Yeah. Are they stressful? Um, not usually. No. I mean, sometimes, but it's just like, it's like I'm awake all the time. So, so there are a couple of different, different things. One, um, sometimes people, usually when you're having vivid dreams, you're in, in a dreaming stage of sleep, which is good usually. But if you feel like you're awake all through the night, sometimes you're not actually getting, you know, deep, enough deep sleep. You're kind of in light stages of sleep for different reasons. Um, another thing I'll mention is though most people need seven or eight hours, some people do need nine or ten, um, you know, truthfully, without another sleep disorder. But there's several, you know, several reasons. And the dreams could, you know, possibly need, you know, possibly need treatment. Or, again, you may want to have that evaluated further and see if you're just not getting good sleep for one reason or another. And that's making you remember more of the dreams or making you stay in light stages of sleep. Um, there's several different do you usually recommend that people who have problems with like these these really vivid dreams are pers- like they can they are they feel like they're constantly awake because they're having these really crazy dreams that you know they might be physically or um, physiologically responding to uh-huh. during the night? Like, would that be a reason to at some point maybe do a sleep study on them to see if they're waking or to see kind of yeah. how their dreams are impacting their sleep? Like, would yeah, that- that's a, that's an interesting thought. It's not typically a reason to get necessarily a, a sleep study mm-hmm. without other symptoms. Um, usually at first I'd start looking at like caffeine can also mm. make you have some vivid dreams and make you kind of have not good sleep. Do you drink coffee summer during the day? 
Um, no, I hardly ever have caffeine. That's good. But like alcohol, 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 yeah, antidepressants, yeah, a lot of different medications can lead to some some vivid type dreams and can actually, even though you're having those vivid dreams with some of those, you're really not getting a lot of that stage of sleep. So those can be different things. Um, different stressors in, in life can make that. Depression can lead to increased sleep needs and you being tired. So there's a lot of different factors to, to tease out before you know, in that patient population before I would get a sleep uh, study necessarily. Um, and then sometimes you may just be one of those people that really need more sleep. Summer, you yeah, want to tell I'm us about your dreams? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just, <yeah. laughs> I've always had really vivid dreams, like my whole life. And um, and sometimes I do wake up, like, doing things. Like, I, I hit my partner in the night one time. Ooh. But, like, um, I'll just blame it on college. <laughs> yeah, so, so that would be a reason to get a sleep study. <laughs> sometimes, though, you also will find that you're needing more sleep or doing, th- you know, that it's not normal that you may be, especially if you were in college, that you may have some sleep deprivation or definitely alcohol and staying out late, you know, can lead to some, some other, other weird things. Or maybe you were just mad at him. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you really <laughs> yeah. didn't oh, no, like I, mean, I was sleeping. Yeah. I was sleeping. That's right. That's right. Oh, me too. Summer, that's thank true. you so much for your phone call. Indeed. So, Let's, oh, so we were um, going back to this sleep apnea thing, because I think that it's something that people, um, a lot of people may hear and we you know, we talk about some of the other associated health problems. So when we talk about like obesity and some of the other things that may be related to sleep apnea. Um, so we've heard about CPAP as mm-hmm. a potential treatment. You've talked about some of the things that people might complain about. Are there any other like symptoms that someone might need to be aware of in case they might think they have sleep apnea or maybe even that they may experience on a regular basis and they might not know that it's sleep apnea. And so if you are having these kinds of symptoms, you might have sleep apnea, you might need to have this evaluated. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question because a lot of people think like, I don't snore, nobody said I snore. Or I snore, but I'm not tired during the day, so I don't have sleep apnea. And really, those aren't complete uh, rules. There are a lot of other associated symptoms. And one of them I mentioned waking up, getting up to go to the bathroom can be a signal. It actually changes your hormonal profile, but also a lot of times when you wake up, you may just think that that's why you woke up. You need to go to the bathroom. Um, Headaches, especially in the morning. A lot of people will have um, daytime headaches, restless sleep, tossing and turning, but not really knowing why. Um, Sweating because you're kind of working hard. Working hard mm. at night. Oh, um, sweating. Fun. Yeah. And yet another reason for women to sweat at night. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> that's right. A lot of a lot of bad a lot of bad factors. Um, but those are some of the main ones that I, I think about. And a lot of time when you start teasing those out, even if they say they do or don't snore, um, you can find that they probably have you know, some of those. The getting up to go to the restroom is interesting because people do, they're like, oh, I have to get up to go to the bathroom so much. But you're just saying yeah. like, no, you just happen to be awake and you assume that because right. you kind of have to go. But it also, yeah, that, and but it also changes those hormonal levels. So you do actually wake up more oh. to go too. So both, both reasons. We need uh-huh. to take our last break of the hour. Uh, Mikey, hang on the line. We'll get to you when we come back. If you want to give us a phone call, sort of now's your last chance. So call this number, 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org, and we'll be back to talk more about sleep here on MPB Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And we're back on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens here. Dr. Allie Brown and our guest is Dr. Andrea Lewis. We are talking about sleep issues today. and We'll go straight to the phone. Mikey calling in from Mobile. Hi, Mikey. Hey, good morning. First of all, I got to ask, how does anybody make it through medical school and be a mother at the same time? uh, (laughs) Or a father. It takes woman magic, Mikey. Yeah, yesterday was International Women's Day, so celebrate. Celebrate. (laughs) For real. Um, And the other thing is, um, uh, well, there's a great philosopher from Mobile. um, Name Mikey? uh, said, <laughs> I used to be tired, uh, just tired, and now I'm retired. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Um, uh, but my, my question actually is um, the influence of diet on all of this. Um, and because there, of course, there are so many other things. The lights, how many lights are on when you have to get up for the middle of the night things. Um, uh, how much, you know, I'm trying to balance it all out so far it's working but um the diet i've been tinkering with my diet i gained a little more weight than i wanted to i'm switching back to healthier stuff um can you give me some really really great info well (laughs) yeah so i I don't know which specific diets as far as you know what Uh, intakes play a role uh, more than a decade of being purely vegetarian. Wow. Gradually pescatarian. And then in the last four months, I added meat back in. The meat thing's got to go. The well, pescatarian thing can stay. Now, I would say that the, um, but weight definitely plays a role in your sleep. And so, you know, uh, 10% change in body weight can definitely increase uh, sleep apnea type symptoms. I also will say do not eat about three hours before bed. Uh, especially if you're having a, a large steak, that you will not sleep well, that uh, reflux is a real problem for people in sleep and Absolutely. disrupts your sleep as much as you know anything else can. So definitely think about that when you're diet, dieting or, or when you look at your diet. If you are going to have something before bedtime, look at a light snack, a light protein snack. Um, growing up in Mississippi, everybody wants that bowl of ice cream before bedtime. Nice that, heavy dairy in your stomach. Yes, that will not do to your sleep very uh, uh, any favors. Let's um, talk about environment, though, yes. when you go to sleep. Like television, phones, do they interfere? Temperature. With temperature. Of course, all those things. So so you mentioned well, how much light when you get up at night. So none, I mean, except for so you, you don't trip and fall, but um, light does play a huge role in sleep. And it's really been a problem for people with with cell phones, unless you're Dr. Owens and do not have all the light and colors on your phone. <laughs> yeah, you... we're going to have to do a show on this one, man. I'm yeah. like, this has been life-changing for me. Yes. So, <laughs> Dr. Owens has grayed her phone. And so, we'll yeah. talk about this. Yeah, we're going to get into no it color. later, that's, guys. That's a different different story. But, but yeah, the lights um, before bedtime will inhibit your sleep. They change your you know melatonin that should start to increase related to the darkness um, at night before you get ready to go to bed. Television is very stimulating and always recommend none in the bedroom, but turning it off about 30 minutes before you want to go to bed uh, and dimming the lights um, in the house. 
uh, reading is okay. Um, so that's kind of a nice thing to do to help Reading makes mind. me go to sleep. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, nice, relaxing thing to do uh, before bedtime. But the television and the bright lights and the eating before bed, you know, add all that up and you're not going to sleep. You know, it needs well. to be pretty cool in the room, right? I think I read that's some right. figure. I was kind of surprised that's by how. That's right. So, yeah, cool temperature in the room. Your body temperature is actually supposed to drop as you're getting, you know, ready ready to get good sleep. If it's warm in the room, you're not going to sleep well. I want to kind of go back real quick to um, Mikey's original question, which was about <clears throat> diet um, and perhaps like some things that might be that might promote. And I think you talked briefly about like some high protein things and light snacks. Mm-hmm. But um, I, so I found a little article that talks about foods that promote sleep. And so I'm going to give you guys the list. So these yeah. are 12 different ones. The first is walnuts. Another one is almonds, which, again, protein, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Cheese. And I remember Mikey likes cheese. So um, so cheese, um, lettuce, pretzels, tuna, white rice, some cherry juice can also help. Um, Cereal, even though it's kind of some of these things, like, like they don't have to be overly sugary. So not really high glycemic index foods, but nonetheless, those still can count. Of course, everybody knows about chamomile tea. We talk about chamomile as being one of those natural ways that you can get um, uh, relaxation and that kind of can help with sleep. Um, another thing is like aromatherapy. So like lavender is also one of those things that's associated with relaxation that might help sleep. Honey. And here's another one for so we were talking about meats, vegetarian, pescatarian, carnivores. If you're a carnivore, elk meat. I mean, go come figure. On now. No, where but did you read this? So this, this I'm going to tell you why it's not trash. I'm going to tell you why. Oh, for the listeners, I just because got poked. it is the this is because it increases. Your utilization. Poor elk. This is about tryptophan, right? So run down to the grocery so store and pick up your elk stick. Which is an amino acid, which can help tur- to improve sleep. Well, it, But elk meat has more tryptophan than turkey. Thank Boom. you very much, Dr. Brown. Oh, so, what about like so magnesium? That That's supposed to be a good stuff. My husband and I actually have been taking magnesium Tech at night. And our, our study yeah. of two people is helping us. Or restless yeah. leg, right? Doesn't that and help? Melatonin, help melatonin yeah. supplements. I give those to my kids at night. Yeah, and melatonin's okay. It's 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 not something people when they take it they don't notice like uh-huh. wow I really slept great and that made me fall asleep fast but it, it is help it, it can be helpful while we're on the topic what is okay to take as a supplement to help you sleep what isn't okay and what's okay so what uh, you know honestly like I I probably don't recommend a ton of over the counter uh, sleep medications except for um, uh. Uh, melatonin. I do recommend it sometime, and things like chamomile. I haven't recommended turkey or cheese, but if but if some people don't want to go to bed hungry, I do recommend like a light <laughs> nut or light protein yeah. bananas. Uh, snack. Sources of magnesium. Potassium. But that banana will give you good reflux <laughs> if you eat it right That's before true. bed. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but yeah, but they do have some good, especially for people with leg cramps and things like that. Mm-hmm. This seems to be really helpful. Um, people do a lot of the what well, we talked a little bit earlier about the supplements that pretty much all contain. Benadryl, and they do make people sleepy. I probably don't recommend those a lot because most of people that have come to me have tried those, and they do have some dry mouth and those mm-hmm. type um, side effects. They're they not, can make you sleepy the next day. And it can I mean, make you sleepy yeah. the next day with a hungover effect. Yeah. So I probably don't recommend those. I do have a lot of patients that say they take it and they like it, and that's okay. They're not habit-forming, you know, they're not habit forming, so that's not, that's not bad necessarily. Um, How about but, taking melatonin supplements long term? Is that bad? 
You know, they, they, it is questionable. I don't know of any studies that really show that it's definitively, you know, a bad thing. They're really a pretty mild mm-hmm. um, supplement. Really, melatonin's kind of best for changing your sleep scheduling. So if you have jet lag or you're trying to start going to bed earlier, that kind of thing. Just kind of like the dark lights do with increased uh, melatonin when you're trying to get ready ready for bed. It's really good for, you know, good for that. Um we have exactly one minute left, and I do want to get this question. Yes. In. Napping. What is the optimum time that you'll get some restorative sleep when napping? Yes. So the way your circadian rhythm works, you're tired is kind of 3 to 5 in the morning, not a good time for a nap. And in the afternoon, sort of after lunch. So in the afternoon, sort of early afternoons is the best time that your body's going to let yourself fall asleep and get a restorative nap. And you really want to look at like a 30-minute nap so that you're not don't wake up kind of hungover in the deep stages of sleep. So that it's a little bit restorative or like a two hour nap so that your body's actually had time to sleep cycle through those stages. Oh, to actually I love a two so hour siesta. nap. Yeah, that sounds perfect. 30 minutes or two hours. A, okay. Or a little siesta. I would be a much better human if I was allowed to nap yes, at work. Yes, that's what we should all do this afternoon. It's a good Throw <laughs> on our little mats. Good nap. Good. Yes. I mean, everything you needed, you learned in kindergarten, right? You <laughs> yeah, got it. that's right. Dr. <laughs> Andrea Lewis, thank you so much yeah, for coming so in. Thank you so much. Great information. Thank Southern you. Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio. It is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Java Chapman. For Dr. Michelle Owens and for Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Karen Brown. No relation. Join us next Friday at 11. <laughs> that you know of, Karen. That's right. <laughs> Join us next Friday. Brown is the fifth most common name in the country. Join us next Friday married at 11 yeah. for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.